Welcome to Savage. I'm your host, Kelsey Kenry, CEO, wife, and mom of three. This is where you find the aligned strategy and mindset shifts to unleash your power, unlock your freedom, and step into your full potential as a CEO. Every episode is full of tough love and hard truths with a side of tactical guidance to expand your success. You ready? Let's do the damn thing. What made it your final rock bottom? I realized that I needed to get back to what it is that I'm supposed to be doing with my life. I'm too good. I don't want to say I'm too good, but I've been through this already. And I'm, I'm supposed to be a teacher. I'm supposed to help people. I'm supposed to use my writing to help people. Welcome to the Bravehearted Podcast, where we are changing the way you get inspiration by allowing you to hear resilience and victory in hard stories. We discuss new methods on handling life situations so you can show up confidently in your life. We are different because instead of just giving you inspiration through stories, we give you actionable tools to make the change that you want to make. Let's live bravely today. All right, guys, welcome to episode 16 of the Bravehearted Podcast. I am Mindy Mercurio, career guru and business coach. Just as a reminder, some of the information that we discuss can be sensitive. So please make sure that you are using headphones when listening around small children and others. As always, we have Kelsey. What's up, guys? My name is Kelsey Kenry, and I am a personal development coach and a speaker working with women all over the world to find their confidence and take action in their lives. And I'm very excited today because we have a really cool interview for you guys. So we are going to run through the ropes as usual, kind of pulling some heavy stuff to the top and hopefully have a good conversation today. So today with us, we have Gab Cohen. Did I say it right? Yes. (laughs) Yes, you did. Okay, good. (laughs) Um, So Gab is a yoga teacher, a writer, a speaker, and she actually has her own podcast as well. What's the name of your podcast? It's called The Vibe Within. Awesome. Okay. So we'll talk more at the end about where everybody can find you, but always good to do another podcast. So let's just get started here. Can you tell everybody a little bit about who you are now? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I was just having this conversation with somebody about like how who I am right now is totally different than who I was even just like two years ago because Gab two years ago or three years ago was bartending, doing drugs, in a toxic relationship, just all the things. And now what you see now is... Gab, um, living with my mom and my stepdad, focusing on creating courses and my podcast and writing and teaching. And it's like just night and day. So who I am today, I'm very happy to say I am just living life day by day and not a victim to substance and toxic relationships. And I'm healing. And that's who I am today is just focusing on healing and bettering my life from all angles, or at least trying. (laughs) 
Yeah. I, and it's a good point that you said, you know, just in, in a short period of time, how much change can occur. And I, you know, am always someone that says, I believe that as people, we are meant to forever grow and change. And so I think it's, it, it should be normal that even if you were to look at yourself a month ago, two weeks ago, that it's like, oh, yeah. I've learned something since then I, I can, I've been better since then. So tell me more about like, what do you teach? What, what's your, what's your niche? What's your specialty? So I've been teaching yoga since 2013. I moved to Miami from LA. I did my teacher training in LA. I was living there for a few years and teaching just wasn't happening there because it, it is very oversaturated there. And I moved to Miami and I started teaching full time. I teach power yoga, hot yoga, vinyasa, yin, restorative. I also love meditation and I'm getting more into teaching meditation and writing. I went to school for art and I used writing as a form of my art throughout college, even though I wasn't majoring in writing or journalism. I kind of used my art projects and somehow meshed them so that I could write. And, you know, my teachers loved it because they didn't really get that many writers that, you know, an art school is an art school. There's not that many people who are interested in writing and in English, but I actually really loved those topics in school along with psychology. So I kind of mesh all those things together. And the way that I teach yoga is I feel like it's unique to my own thing because I incorporate CBD. I incorporate everything that I've learned in the past like decade of my life as far as psychology, as far as healing, childhood trauma, you know, wounds and emotional and mental health. And, you know, I've, I just use everything that I've been through and I try to bring that together into the yoga practice. So I do a lot of speaking. I do a lot of verbalizing theories and ideas other than just the yoga postures. You know, I obviously guide the class through the yoga sequence, but I do a lot of inspirational talking and I use a lot of like my own examples of life. And most recently I've been focusing more on creating experiences. So I've over the last couple of years, I've had two yoga retreats. So CBD yoga retreats and I've also led workshops, so CBD yoga workshops. So I taught for Busy Gold. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her. She's the creator of uh, Booty Yoga. She's really amazing and inspiring. And I've also led a CBD yoga workshop in LA at Wanderlust. And that's what I've been focusing on more is just creating a vibe and creating an experience that can help people who are going through like emotional trauma or just waking up or trying to figure out, you know, how to get through their childhood trauma or they're trying to break through some kind of like barrier and yoga and CBD has helped me tremendously. So that's what I'm trying to bring uh, more of. That's amazing. I think it's really cool. Anytime um, the, mental world and physical world is brought together. And it's like, it's very yeah. similar to kind of the evolution of my coaching. Cause I started on the fitness side and was, you know, basically just a fitness coach. And I started in 2011 and then moved through to where now I'm full on in the personal development side. And of course, right. like physical movement and nutrition is definitely a part of something that's important, but 
it's so cool to be able to be in a space where you bring those things together. So tell me this. I know that you mentioned at the beginning that you have been in this space to where you've been healing for the past couple of years. And mm-hmm. then you mentioned you started with yoga about like seven years ago. So tell mm-hmm. me a little more about the timeline. What was the shift and, and what did things look like there? Well, okay. So when I moved out to LA, I had just graduated from art school. So I was 22 and I just went through like one of the most, probably the hardest breakup ever because I was with, um, you know, this, this kid who just ghosted me and who he was a narcissist and he got all of our friends, quote unquote, our friends against me, which is typical narcissist behavior. And we were supposed to move to California together and he just dropped me off. Like he just dropped me off out of his mind. So I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I am driving across the country and I'm still going to move. I don't care. So I moved to LA and I worked for a fashion company in Hollywood. And this client of mine, her name was Amor. And she kept telling me, you know, you have so much potential. Like I can tell that you're depressed. I can tell that you're not feeling good in your body whether it's your breakup or whatever, like you should try yoga. And she kept hounding me and she kept hounding me to to try yoga. So I finally did. And after, you know, yoga hopping around and trying hot yoga, I just really got really, really into it. Like it was, I started to experience this, like this opening and this, this like aha moment. Cause I was in this room sweating with all these people. I had never experienced that before. I was like, Oh my God, this is so intense. Everybody's just like, so in it, you know? And I haven't ever felt that before. I never felt like I was part of something in that kind of way, I guess. So a year later, I did my teacher training. And this was after a year of practicing every day at this studio in Hollywood. And I was volunteering there and I met all the teachers and you know, my, my teachers were like, you should do teacher training. I mean, you, you practice all the time. So I... I took that into consideration and um, then I unfortunately lost a really good friend of mine, my friend Lance, who I went to art school with. He he passed away in an accident and I found this out when I was living in California. And so my life flipped upside down. I was like, what the fuck? I just, you know, I it, I mean, it was a it was a crazy accident. You can't prepare for those types of things. And um, I left LA and went traveling in Europe for a couple months just to just because I somehow saved just enough money to go put my stuff in storage I was crazy I didn't have any I had no like you know money I had I had no plans I I left my car for my friends to take care of like I was just a mess and Mm -hmm. I went to Europe and um, stayed with a friend stayed with some family just like from whatever change I could, I could save. It was crazy that I even did that. But um, then I got the, the intuitive hit pretty much right when I got back to LA from that trip to do teacher training. And mm. I think that losing my friend had a really big part to do with why I decided to become a yoga teacher because it made me realize that I couldn't just spend so much of my life being depressed in a job that I hated because I really started to hate working in fashion. I worked for a couple companies that I won't name, but they weren't the the best pay, even though they're pretty well known. 
and I was just so miserable, so depressed. And I knew that I needed to like, I needed to find something that was going to make me happy. And the only time that I was happy or looking forward to the day or looking forward to the moment in the day was yoga. So I was like, okay, well, if I'm so excited to go to yoga and that's like literally the only time of the day that I feel good, I might as well just go and become a teacher. So that's what I did. Yeah. And that's, it's amazing too, because it's so interesting how like you had no idea where you wanted to be and and what you wanted to do until you just finally put yourself into something. And I feel like it's really, really fascinating because once we start to get on the path towards somewhere, you don't know like what's going to really be on that path or where it's going to lead to. But if you keep putting yourself in these situations it allows you to at least gather experience and see, you know, if you had never listened to Amor was her name, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you had never tried that first yoga class, how different would things be? So Mm -hmm. awesome. I think about that all the time, actually. Right. Yeah. It's fantastic. Like how that stuff really comes to life. So you did your yoga teacher training and then you're still in LA and you started teaching there. So I did a little bit of dabbling and teaching there, but like I said, um, and this was in 2013. So yoga was, you know, it was becoming more popular. It definitely wasn't anywhere near it is now because now Mm -hmm. it's completely mainstream. So, but even though it was still in the beginning of that happening, I felt the intuitive pull to move back to Florida and, um, I was broke. I was just so tired of being broke. Like mm. couldn't afford food, couldn't afford gas in my fucking car. Like literally there there were multiple times that I purposely had to let my car run out of gas and like just perfectly time it into a parking lot so that I could have AAA fill up my gas tank. Like that was how broke I was. Mm. Girl, and, been there, done that. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, I was 24. 23 or whatever. So I was like, whatever. I didn't think of it like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. I was in fight or flight mode. I was in fight Mm -hmm. or flight mode for, you know, three years of living there. Mm -hmm. So once I started to realize that, oh, like maybe there's an easier way to go about living. Maybe I don't have to force myself to live in LA if it's feeling like such a, just a, a burden and a force. It didn't feel graceful at all. So I just listened to my intuition and I I moved back to Florida and I made the move to Miami this time instead of Fort Lauderdale because I had a lot of friends who lived in Miami and they were like, dude, come to Miami, like start fresh, teach yoga. And I was like, yeah, maybe that's a good idea. Like I just felt so intimidated in LA because you know, there's just so many people, there's so much competition and I was just so over it. You know, I just wanted to teach yoga. I just wanted to make people feel good. I just wanted to like get my foot in the door. So that's what I did. I just moved and started over. Yeah. And it's, I think it's important that it's always weird how the timing works where like a door opens where you feel like when you have your back against the wall and you're like, you know, what choice am I going to make here? So tell me a little bit about like how, I know that you you said that you struggled with some depression and some other things. Can you tell me more about that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like depression has been 
something that I've been dealing with before I even knew what the word depression was. Mm. So when there was no language for this, you know, when I was eight or nine, I always Mm. kind of felt this like, not to sound emo, but I mean, you know, as a little kid, you, you don't know what you're feeling and why. And I, but now looking back at it, I was definitely confused and depressed as a young little child but depression has hit me in different ways throughout my life. And, and then I've come out of it really awesome as well. Um, I think that's like part of the journey of depression is that like, you know, people think that, oh, you, like every depressed person like doesn't have any motivation or they just, they don't have any drive to work out or they don't have any creative, you know, they don't have any creativity and like depression looks a lot different to, to different people. And, um, the most depressed that I was in my life was around that time I was just telling you about when I was living in LA, hating my job and working in fashion. I couldn't get through the day without just like being like, oh, I can't believe I'm here. They would play the same songs on repeat because that's how retail is. And I would, (laughs) I would, I would get in these mind frames where like, I I couldn't even get through the song. I couldn't, you know, it was just, it was very dark. It was a very Mm -hmm. dark period of my life. And that's why the only time of the day I I look forward to is yoga. And then depression has hit me in other ways, you know, substance abuse, drug and alcohol abuse. You're going to feel those down low, those those complete rock bottoms. You're going to be surrounded by people who aren't, you know, really making you feel that good at all. And um, depression is, it's another label that also, I I hate defining myself as someone, a a depressed person, because then once we label ourselves as depressed, then it's hard to unidentify from that. So that's, Mm. uh, you know, it's been a very, that's been part of my shadow work is how I've identified myself so much as depressed or anxious or I'm this or I'm that, but we're all growing and we're all evolving and we're all dying a million times and recreating ourselves. And if you're not, like you said in the beginning, if you're not changing, then I I mean, change is normal. And Mm -hmm. um, just because you had a depressing month doesn't mean you have to like stay in that. So, but I, I write a lot about depression because I know so much about it. I've lived it. I've literally seen it from all angles. So I have a lot of articles that I've written for Elephant Journal about mental health and depression. So, yeah, and it's it's important to to take your experience and be able to make an impact with it. And I think that's one thing that we talk about pretty often too is that you know, we all have a different story and we all have a different skill set and it's our job to combine those things and figure out what we're going to do with it. And I really like what you said about the labeling. I just had a call with a client today who struggles a lot with anxiety as so many people do. And we really talked about number one, the fact that how you view that feeling, like, you know, because what we came to in her session was basically that she had been viewing anxiety as weakness. And Mm -hmm. so that was why she felt so powerless. If she viewed it as, as something that she was feeling versus something that was taking everything away, like how does that change things? And it sounds similar to kind of like how you feel about depression about like, just because this is something that I go through doesn't mean it's who I am. 
Exactly. Yeah. And that's a huge part of the shadow work because, you know, everybody who's listening to your podcast probably is in it and they know that part of the shadow work is detaching from the programming that we have been enduring all of our lives and the people that we, that have surrounded us our family god bless them they do the best that they can but i don't think that when we were growing up they were too concerned about our shadow or absolutely trauma <laughs> you know yeah. they're just trying to they're just trying to get by they're trying to get food on the table i i don't come from money i i come from the opposite of money i come from mm-hmm. lower middle class um lack mentality, um, yeah. scarcity mindset. We are with poor. you. We are with yeah. you. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's like trying to tell someone um, who just made $5, okay, well, go spend your whole $5 now. No, I'm just going to hold on to that shit. Yeah. And, yes. and that's like that's like the mentality that, that I was grown up in. You better hold on to your money. And also this is the same shit, like, who you thought you were depressed, anxious, who you thought you were in high school travels with you, whether mm-hmm. you like it or not. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I don't think that I had the worst high school experience, but I was definitely looked at as, you know, weird, depressed girl who like was put in a psych ward for five days and like all, all this shit who that's not me now, but that's right. how I was reacting to the fucking crazy shit that was going on around me mm-hmm. and you know, the family dynamics that I had, I couldn't, I couldn't fix it. I was helpless. So what, what do we do? We withdraw, we have panic attacks, we overexercise, we starve ourselves, we take drugs, alcohol, we are, you know, in a abusive relationship. And then those things that we did to deal with our pain start to define us as adults and then it's hard for us to undefine us and say, oh, no, that's not who I am because it was such a strong, like it's followed us through our lives. Yeah. You're holding you it associate. like that $5 bill. Yeah. yeah. You associate yourself with that so much and everything. I agree with everything that you said. So for me, abusing drugs and alcohol, because this is something that I struggled with as well my rock bottom was my third time being arrested, waking up in the medical unit because I was suicidal. So can you tell me, like, was it that, was it numbing that led you to the drugs and alcohol or tell me a little bit more about that too? Okay. So I'm from New Jersey originally, and Mm -hmm. I just think that drugs and alcohol are just so normal there because Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm sure in any little small town, but it just seems like we grew up really fast and I started drinking when I was 13 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents got divorced and there was a lot of weird trauma and lies and manipulation and scarcity mindset that occurred. And I'm so happy that I have the house to myself tonight so that nobody's hearing this conversation. <laughs> um, I'm so happy that I have the house to myself. That actually triggered a lot of my my inner trauma. So my mm-hmm. first drug of choice was actually not eating. And that was my way of controlling. And then it went into, you know, Adderall. And then it went into 
other uppers and pills and and coke mm. and and all this stuff and it it doesn't matter what the substance is it was all to mask the fact that my family was ripped apart i hated my stepdad at the time i didn't feel like i was in control of anything i felt like my mom abandoned me a lot of deep seated father and mother wounds and you know as a kid you can't fix that because your parents are stuck in their ways and they're not they're just living their life and a lot of i feel like drug and alcohol abuse has hit me in different parts of my life so high school yeah college all throughout college for sure and that's when the majority of the self-worth lowering happened and i was using drugs and alcohol to mask pain from my childhood trauma but using drugs and alcohol in college was actually creating more trauma so it's like layers and layers of trauma yes. that are that are stacking on top of one another because yes. of the drugs and alcohol and i was hanging out with the wrong people i got sexually abused you know just mm-hmm. the whole the whole thing yeah typical you know i don't want to say typical but me too story and now when i'm 30 and that happened when i was 20 and i'm processing it all the past year because i'm clean and because i'm sober and because i'm not relying on these substances and it's like once i decided to really get out of it that's when things changed but in order for me to make that choice to get out of it i had to have one last run around with drugs and alcohol which happened in um this year of to well, 2019 so mm-hmm. um from february to like may of 2019 and i had another rock bottom and i was like you know what this is it i'm done so sometimes it just takes a few rounds to get all those lessons in and once you get clean and sober even though i don't consider myself sober you know if if i wanted to have a drink cool i'll have a drink but the more clean your mind is your psyche starts to recycle and starts to cleanse itself and then you're like oh wow you're waking up to all the trauma that really happened and there's no turning back you can't take off the blindfold anymore yeah and i i definitely relate to that especially i think it's powerful what you said about how there's the trauma and then you mask it and within that during that masking you create more trauma because mm-hmm. i remember you know so many times it was like okay i'm drinking and doing drugs because i'm sad and then something happens within that that makes me more sad and it's just like this vicious vicious cycle that you feel like you can't break free from mm-hmm. and i think you're right in that you know we all have different ways that we're continue to show like the same lesson even until we get it you know until it's really like you finally get clarity around like what it means and like what your next steps need to be and i know for me like i vividly remember everything about that last rock bottom so my question to you is you know in this in this last period what made it your final rock bottom That's a good question. <laughs> you know, I I went basically long story short, I went to a music festival. I was working for a music festival and um just went all in, you know, had a good time. I met some people who I vibed with. I met a guy who I, you know, connected with pretty well and I 
went and stayed with him for a little bit for just a couple weeks. And those couple weeks were the most intense drug experience I've probably ever been in other than high school, you know, in a different way. I, I would say like, I just saw things that were just different and I was very vulnerable. I was very lost and I realized that I was losing myself again. And I was like, holy shit, I can't believe this is happening again. Like doing Coke and, and working out and going to the gym makes no sense. Like I I was actually scared that I was going to like die. And then once I pretty much cut off all communication with that kid, I realized that I needed to get back to what it is that I'm supposed to be doing with my life. I'm too good. I don't want to say I'm too good, but I've been through this already. And I'm, I'm supposed to be a teacher. I'm supposed to help people. I'm supposed to use my writing to help people. I'm suppo- like I was feeling such a void and I was feeling so low and I was having these meaningless conversations with people on drugs. I just felt like my life was literally meaningless. And, and what I was doing was just prolonging my success and my happiness because deep down when you're a victim and you're just a prisoner to drugs and alcohol, you know that each day you drink or you, you know, you, you put your health and your mental wellness aside, you're just prolonging your life. And I didn't want to prolong my life anymore. And I wanted to reclaim my self-worth because I knew I had a lot of work to do. And I just kept putting it off and putting it off because there was a lot of things and a lot of traumas that I was just not ready to face. And then I just started to realize how much better I started to feel not drinking. And I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done drinking. I That's when my dark night of the soul started, I would say. And my isolation and spiritual isolation is very, very important. And I started going to some meditation meetings, recovery meetings, and just just really giving myself time and space to not talk to people, to not do drugs, to lean into my rituals and my healing routines and and all that. And it's, it's work and people don't want to hear that, but it is work, but it's so fucking worth it because I am so clean and cleansed mentally. And I'm like finally feeling like I'm getting my physical and, and emotional calibrated and, you know, I just, I really procrastinated on that for a long time. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that at least you're here now, you know, and I'm sure that you probably celebrate a lot of gratitude for, for even being able to be here now. I know that that's how I feel. And I think that something that I really took away from what you just said is that it's important for people to know that you can fail and that you can fail again and that you can fail again. And every single time you get to choose what you want to do with it. Mm -hmm. So for you to, you know, like dip your toes in the water again and be like, oh, you know, like I feel like it's so easy for us, especially with drugs and alcohol. It's so, so easy because it's so available. And especially mm-hmm. alcohol, it's just so readily available. And I'm in a similar boat as you. I don't call myself sober because I still drink, but very rarely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
And when I do, it's not to excess <laughs> and, yeah. you know, so it's, it's a soberish just, lifestyle, you know? Yeah. Like say, it's just like the, yeah, the clarity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't make decisions when you're always cloudy. Yeah. And I was sick and tired of being sick and tired of attracting these wrong people. Well, you know what? I'm sorry. The reason why we attract the wrong people is because we're not in the right mindset. And if, if we're saying yes. that these people who are coming into our lives are wrong or are not good or they're toxic, then that's the first step of understanding that we want something more, that we want to meet people who are on a different wavelength. So that's mm-hmm. like the first part of awakening. And I think that could be looked at as a rock bottom. Like I, I love a good rock bottom. I love talking about them. I love writing about them because they are the universe disguising, you know, lessons as rock bottoms. It's like, here, here's all the information you need to know because this is where you're at and you can feel when you're at a rock bottom. Mm-hmm. And then what, what you do is that you rise above and you you couldn't rise above if you didn't hit that rock bottom. So I've, I've had so many rock bottoms in my life and each one of them has been really interesting to look back on now because after the rock bottom, you get all these little stepping stones and then, you know, and this is speaking for the people who are awake and who are aware and in this realm of like seeing what a synchronicity is and just being open to just surrendering because that's what you have to do when you hit a rock bottom. So um, losing all your friends and losing, you know, family members or lose, like losing who you were, like that's a fucking blessing. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, you know, I, I'm with you. I love a good rock bottom. I think some two things that you said that were just so important right then, like a, like when you look around and you see that everybody around you is toxic, like you have to recognize that you've allowed that. Mm-hmm. Like you have allowed this circle to be formed around you. But then when you get to that rock bottom of like, my life is a mess, this is a mess, like taking the opportunity to decide what am I going to do with this and how am I going to move forward from this? And like, it's like you said, that's life giving you every single bit of information you need. And like, it's your choice, what you do with that information. And I love hearing your story and hearing, you know, what you've done with that information every time that you've, you've got it. That's incredible. Thank you. Yeah. That's funny that you were saying before we started recording that you were listening to the very first episode of my podcast, because I'm pretty sure that that was new year rock bottom, something or other. And I was talking and the reason why I started the podcast was because I had that rock bottom in Miami. And I just remember this new year's, I woke up feeling so terrible. I left this guy's house who the night before for new year's Eve, they were like making fun of me and they were making fun of each other. And it was just drugs, alcohol. It was so toxic. Like this group of people were the darkest meanest people I've ever been in association with. And I'm mm-hmm. not like that. I mean, I, I have tattoos head to toe. I look really rough on the outside, but I'm just so not like that. And um, it, I woke up and I felt like absolute shit physically, emotionally. And I was like, you know what? I need to start manifesting what it is that I want in my life. That's when I started really manifesting. And 
And then a year later, that's when I started the podcast. So I had a whole year of deep shadow work and, and all that. But life is full of rock bottoms and then skyrockets and then rock bottom again and skyrocket. And that's the problem with this love and light and spiritual community is that everybody just wants to evolve and evolve and evolve and grow and grow and expand. And it's like, okay, but where are you going? Like there's no finish line. And mm-hmm. if you have a setback, it's like, oh God, I can't believe I'm having a setback right now. This is where I should be. And this is, this mm-hmm. is where I should be at with money. And this is where I should be at with my job. And this is where I should be at with my relationship. Oh, I can't believe I'm single. Oh my God. It's just like, it's so fucking exhausting sometimes to, to see and to feel all of the expectation that we have all physically put into ourselves because we just have really high expectations of ourselves as millennials. And we have to all just really understand how important it is to have rock bottoms and Mm. just to have setbacks because like Mercury retrograde, everybody loves to talk about Mercury retrograde. Mercury (laughs) retrograde is the perfect time to, it's basically a permission slip that the universe gives us saying, Hey, it's time to sit your ass down, do some journaling, reflect on what you have been doing instead of trying to move forward and try instead of trying to grow or have your business fly or whatever the fuck it is that you're doing. It's okay to take a couple steps back to repair, to like figure yourself out, take yourself to the auto shop, like do all the things for your body that you need so that you can actually be of service to yourself and to your family. And instead of being this like stressed out, angry, competitive, you know what I mean? I, I, yeah. I'm talking this because this is, I'm talking to myself because that's who I was. And I'm just like really trying to get out of that mental space. Kelsey and I talk about that a lot. It, the the whole like you have to take the time to work on yourself, and like everybody does. Like there's this like there's these expectations that everybody puts on themselves of this grow, 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 and I can't fall back. And um, it really does set you up for failure because when you fall back and you don't have a plan on like how am I going to pick myself back up because you have these expectations that you're never going to fall back, it really just sets you up for this this terrible failure. So that's, that's a really good point that you made, you know, about having this, having realistic expectations. Kelsey and I talk about that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's too, it's your perspective. And I think that Mm -hmm. for me, I think really what I hear from what you're saying and what I definitely agree with is it's about how we're looking at growth, whether it's personal growth, business growth, like nothing, it's not linear. Like Mm -hmm. it's nothing like failure is growth. So I always say like fail forward because if we, if we plan for it and even though it may, it might suck, it's part of the plan. And I think that Mm -hmm. if we are able to switch our perspective a little bit around that fallback period or those periods to where it's like, oh, I feel like for me, I, I really value productivity. And so when I have those times to where it's like, I'm not working on a project, I will really have to check in with myself and be like, you're still valuable, even though you're not like producing something new right now. It's okay. 
Right. Cause like, where does that come from? You know what I mean? Like, where does this like lack feeling? Like, oh, I'm not doing enough. I'm not producing enough. That goes back to childhood. And for me, that goes back to, you know, how my dad would always be like, you know, get yourself together, get yourself, you know what I mean? Like, like our parents just wanted the best for us, but they didn't realize that they were raising the most sensitive millennials <laughs> ever. And so Yes. Like I, there's these things that I, that my mind has held on to, and I'm like, how has my brain even remembered that? You know what I mean? And then I can't remember things that happened last year, but I can remember like one little line that my mom or dad said when I was seven years old, but yeah. for some reason, and that, and that's, that's something that, that means something. And that those little glimpses of like, holy shit, I remember this. It doesn't just come up for no reason. That's your highest self telling you this is something that really meant a lot to you when you were a kid and you're still a little kid. You're just in an adult body. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. And I think it like those little, those little nuggets that we remember, because I definitely have those for myself too, from childhood. I think it, it has to do with like, you know, the story we tell ourselves and like how many times have we repeated that to ourselves in one way or another. So kind of starting to wrap up here, I want to, I want to ask you, kind of through this journey, since you've been able to experience like all these different rock bottoms and then be able to be resilient and, and keep moving forward. And obviously to be in the place that you are now, obviously I think yoga was something that probably felt stable for you. What were Mm -hmm. other things that helped you to get through? Yeah. So, and you know, different flavors for different rock bottoms, you know, um, in my most recent rock bottom slash, you know, Saturn return and dark night of the soul, writing and journaling has been a huge thing for me and trying to get more into meditation and breath work and just like finding easy breath work, YouTube videos, and just, you know, trying to do that more often. I'm not saying I do it every day, but I do journal every day. And I, um, through this dark period of my life that we were just talking about, um, I actually created a course, which is I recorded over eight hours of guided meditations. And then I created a creative journaling course through that because I was, that's all I was doing was just yoga journaling, yoga journaling, and like, you know, just really doing some shadow work with that shit. And um, I created that and I did it because I felt like I needed to, to create that for people because I was, you know, sharing on my Instagram, my emotions and people knew I was in a dark place and I wanted to share with people how the fuck I was getting out of that. And yeah, so just writing and rituals and I do lean into magic and I I do candle magic and I, I have a cat who's, you know, my, my beloved who just like, channels and helps heal me and you know if you can if you can adopt an animal that is a huge thing that can help somebody transform reclaiming my self-worth is just so multifaceted you know like nourishing my body and going outside in nature like it's the most mm-hmm. simple things i'm sure your yeah. listeners have heard it on other podcasts it's nothing new right um, but having a clean space having a clean room and organizing your things and getting rid of things that you don't need anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, 
literally it's just like the cleansing from within and the cleansing of all your outside surroundings yeah cleaning up your your friend circles get rid of those people i'm i'm the first person to say cut it off i i will ghost a friend and you know what mm-hmm. with good reason because if i'm not serving them and they're not serving me then I'm doing them a service by not talking to them anymore. Or if I'm judging them for who they are, then I'm not doing them any good either. So it's just a mixture of those things and not letting a setback ruin me. You know what I mean? Like just trying to be like, this is temporary, which is a huge limb of yoga. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, what I love about everything that you just said is that it involves a lot of exploration and it involves like, like we talked about at the beginning, kind of trying some different paths. Like everything that you brought up is something that, you know, you started and, and did once. And then you were like, Oh, this is for me. This is helping me. And I think that that's so important for people to just, when you're in that space of feeling hopeless and there's, there's no glimmer and you're in that darkness, that is the rock bottom to, just grab onto something and try, um, because Mm -hmm. it might lead you somewhere else that you don't know. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's fascinating to me that like how cool it is that we can all heal different ways. So thank you for sharing that. Another question before we get to like where everybody can find you and all that kind of stuff is we like to give our listeners, um, some sort of tool that they can lead with. So if anything, they take away one thing from this, like what is something that if there's somebody struggling and maybe they're in that rock bottom right now or they feel lost or abandoned, what is one thing that you would tell them to do? To start focusing on your physical health um, because it starts with the physical. And I had some major, major downloads um, on my birthday, which apparently was some energy crazy portal on December 12th. And I had some huge downloads of spirit telling me, if you aren't focusing on your physical health, then your life doesn't matter. Like you can be making the money and you can have the job and you can have the relationship and you can be thriving. And then what? One day you're just going to break down. You're going to have a, a rock bottom or whatever. And then what? You're going to have to spend all the money that you just worked so hard on to get healthy again. So it just doesn't, it just, you know, this huge awakening just happened for me. And I was like, if I want to be happy and I want to be of service and get through this stuff that I'm going through, I need to focus on my physical health, meaning go to the doctors, get your labs, figure out what is going on biologically. If you're not feeling right, then figure it out. We have doctors, we have so much knowledge and I feel like knowledge is power and um, health is wealth and you know, we need our health to have a good life. I mean, that sounds so fucking simple, but it's like, if we're too focused on finding a boyfriend or a girlfriend, but like, we're like, our physical health is declining. It's not going to happen. And we're just going to keep tripping on rocks. And we're just going to keep wondering why we're not getting the things that we want. And it's because we have to start from within the root chakra. We have to focus on our physical health first. So yeah, I love whatever that. you, I love whatever you you can do to do that, whether that means just working out, going to the doctor, eating better. If it means journaling or getting a therapist, then, then just do it. Like 
you know, time's ticking. <laughs> you might as well start yeah. healing now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, and that's one of the things that we always say is just take some sort of step, just take some sort of step. Like, you know, we all have different awareness and different awakenings, but none of us are stupid. We all know when we feel good and when we don't. And while it's easy to suppress those things and numb those things, we can only do it for so long. So I appreciate that. And I love that. So tell everybody, you know, if they want to hear more from you, where can they find you? Thank you. My podcast is called The Vibe Within. It's on iTunes and Spotify and all those um, apps. And then you can follow me on Instagram, Gypsy Love Flow. You can feel free to reach out if you have any, you know, questions or you just want to vent about a rock bottom. And then my Modern Meditations course that I was telling you about, it's over eight hours of guided audio meditations that I recorded and with binaural beats. And then it's like 25 writing prompts over eight sheets of writing prompts to really help people dig into their shadow work. And it's the same prompts that I did when I was going through it. So I basically just transferred everything that I was doing into a very simple workshop course and it's available on Etsy. So I can send you that link. Awesome. Okay. We'll put that in the show notes for, for everybody so they can check that out. Um, any last words? (laughs) You know, uh, just, just keep, just keep pushing through, like, you know, just whatever's going on, it's temporary and embrace the rock bottom because there's beauty in the rock bottom. Use it as fuel, use it as, use it as inspiration. You know, like when somebody has a bad breakup, they, they like come out of it like all rebellious and like they get this like new kind of like, well, use your rock bottom as that. So yeah. Yeah. That's great. I love it. All right, guys. Well, thank you everyone for listening today. Make sure you check out Gab and we are so appreciative that you spent your time with us tonight. Thanks Mindy, for having me. Yeah, of course. Mindy, what do we have next week? So next week we are talking about how being a perfectionist actually stops your progress and how to set more realistic expectations. Awesome. I'm excited to talk about perfectionism for sure. And if you guys listening can please do us a favor, we are working very hard to build and be seen. So can you just take two minutes today to drop us a review? Tell us you love us. Tell us that you like Mindy's voice, whatever you want to tell us. We appreciate it. (laughs) And last but not least, don't forget to live bravely today. If you are a CEO or entrepreneur, I want to invite you into a space that's unlike anything out there. CEO Power Hour is a free monthly live experience that you can join in person or virtually to get your questions answered to fulfill the desires for your business. Inside this room, you bring your biggest goal, the obstacles you are experiencing, or anything you want my expertise, eyes, and ears on. This guidance, along with the ideas and inspiration from other powerful women, allows you to be fully immersed in the energy of being supported and learn in a completely new way so that you can expand your business and your life to the next level. I created CEO Power Hour to bring together powerful business owners for connection, collaboration, and coaching. This is your invitation, and it's free. 
The link is in the show notes. So I hope to see you at our next monthly meeting.